Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Zach Lefebvre, CEO and founder of ChargeLab, an EV charging startup that's raised over $20 million in funding. Zach, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks, Brett. So excited to talk to you about ChargeLab and tech in general. Yeah, sounds great. So before we begin talking about what you're building there at ChargeLab, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Yeah, my name is Zach Lefebvre. I'm the co-founder and CEO of ChargeLab. I actually started this business back in 2016, but we didn't raise any venture capital till 2019. So I've been in and around the EV infrastructure space going all the way back to 2016 and actually even 2015. Before that, I ran another business, actually a construction business. And before that, I did an undergrad degree at McGill University. I studied computer science and finance. So Charge Lab was really the culmination of studying computer science, being very interested in technology, and then this great hands-on business experience I had gained in my early 20s running these construction businesses. And yeah, we were founded in 2016, but really grown exponentially in the last three years, going from kind of our first pre-seed funding to a seed and now Series A, you know, just in that short period. Amazing. And how would you summarize the current state of EV charging if we just focus on North America? And how have you seen that evolve since 2016? Yeah, we're in a much better place in 2022 than we were in 2016. But I would still describe the state of EV infrastructure as emerging. It's an emerging market. It's a new market. The reality is charging an electric vehicle is fundamentally different than charging a gasoline vehicle. When you charge a gas car, you go to a gas station, you pump gas. It only takes a few minutes. It's completely different on the EV side. You know, The negative of the EV side is it's almost impossible to add as much range as you can with a gas car. We're doing super fast EV charging now, but you still need to be plugged in for 10, 15, even 20 minutes to kind of really top up. And if you want to get to 100% full tank, there's a taper off You know, when your battery is more than 80% full. On the flip side, there's going to be far more EV chargers everywhere where you park a car. And so while it's less convenient for me to fill my EV along the highway than a gasoline vehicle, I almost never go to a gas station because I plug in at home. I mostly do driving within 100 miles of my home. That's a stretch. Frankly, if you're an average American or average Canadian or you're like me, you're typically driving within 10 or 20 miles of your home. So I have sufficient range to go everywhere I need to in my day-to-day life. Yes, to do grocery stuff like that, but even to go downtown, you know, to go visit friends in nearby cities. And I charge at home and I have a full tank of gas every morning. So, you know, the reason I bring this up is because when you think about it, when you look at the numbers of what we've already kind of experienced, there's actually going to be more than one EV charging port for every electric vehicle on the road. So as we look at the vehicle fleet of North America going 100% electric in the next 15 or 20 years, we're talking about hundreds of millions of new vehicles. And we're talking about hundreds of millions of charging stations. So we're in a much better place than we were in 2016, but there's still a ton of growth in terms of chargers at every apartment building, every single family home, every 
grocery store, and of course, every convenience store and gas station. And do you think that charging is going to get faster? I know in the pre-interview, I was mentioning to you that you know a few weeks ago, I, I rented a Tesla. I was staying in an Airbnb that did not have charging. And I was a bit surprised, you know, it's my first experience with it, that I had to go park in a Tesla charger and, and sit there for an hour. And I'm an impatient person. I have ADD. Like sitting there for an hour while it charged was painful. Is that going to get better, do you think? Or is that you know, kind of the limit? Yeah, so charging is definitely getting faster. But I think it really comes down to the use case. Like we're not going to have any faster chargers in apartment buildings, office buildings, single family homes. Because as you mentioned, if you had a charger at that Airbnb, you would have been fine. You would have plugged in when you arrived and you would have been full by the morning. So the kind of charging speed is solved for the destination charging, let's call it. The charging speed still has room for improvement on the you know high power charging. It's pretty incredible what you can already do. The Gen 3 superchargers, or I forget the generation, the latest superchargers, I think it's Gen 3 with Tesla can go up to 250 kilowatts which can add 750 miles per hour of charging. So you're, the reality is no EV has that range today. So you're charging for less than an hour. You were probably charging at a Gen 1 or Gen 2 supercharger. So maybe 70 or 150 kilowatts would be a little bit slower. The open networks outside of Tesla are already doing 350 kilowatt. So Electrify America has 350 kilowatt. There's definitely a roadmap for 500 kilowatt and even one megawatt charging which would be super, super fast. But I think it's actually more about consistency now. When you go DC fast charging, you have everything from 50 kilowatts, which is you know only going to add you know 150 miles of range for an hour of charging, to these 350 kilowatt chargers, which is going to add you know three or four times that, almost a thousand miles of range per hour of charging. So I, I think a couple of things need to happen. Like, yes, we need to push the frontier with faster charging, but we also need to look at our gas stations and say, you know what, a 50 kilowatt or a 70 kilowatt Tesla charger isn't sufficient anymore. We really need to be investing in faster charging. And that's what the infrastructure bill that was passed does. The funding for corridor charging is requiring every site that gets funding to put in at least four chargers and every port has to be at least 150 kilowatts. So I think taking today's cutting edge and making it the norm would go a long way, continuing to push the cutting edge for really, really fast charging. But then I also just think if we had today's cutting edge as the norm and we had it every 100 miles, what happens inevitably when you charge an EV, and this is unavoidable, is you're going to have a tapering off after about the 80% mark. So ideally, you want to plan your road trips where you never have to charge past 80% because... Mm -hmm you're going to be able to plug in every you know, 200 miles. You're going to want to break for bathroom or food. And so as we get more infrastructure, you feel less pressure to sit there for the whole hour to make sure you get 100% charge because there'll be more opportunities for you to charge on the way home in order to fill up. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And now let's switch gears here a bit and dive into Charge Lab. So in simple terms, what does the company do? So Charge Lab makes software for managing electric vehicle chargers. We don't build out a public network of chargers, but we provide the backend technology for the folks who are doing that. The analogy we often use is that Tesla's like Apple. They build mm -hmm. a fantastic product. It's vertically integrated. You have a Tesla power pack, Tesla solar panels, Tesla car, Tesla supercharger network. And when you're within that proprietary ecosystem, everything works really well. 
If you take a Tesla to a Tesla supercharger station, the interface is pretty smooth. It's pretty reliable. Works great. It's like using AirPods with an iPhone. But if you try to go and use AirPods with your Samsung or your Google Pixel, it's going to be a different story. It's going to be much rougher. So outside of that Apple ecosystem, in our analogy, you've got vendors like ChargePoint that for me, feel off a lot like BlackBerry. Not that they're necessarily going to go the way of BlackBerry. I think ChargePoint's going to be around for a while. But they make hardware and software, but they're not deeply vertically integrated in the way that Tesla is. And then the way I describe ChargeLab is like the Android of EV charging. So we don't make any EV charging hardware, but we build a software platform that sits on top of hardware built by ABB and Siemens and Fihong and Tritium and Schneider Electric, Eaton, all of these different electronics manufacturers. And you really get the same benefits that you get in an Android or Windows ecosystem where, yes, if you want the sexiest, kind of most expensive option, Apple's available for you, for Tesla's available for you. But keeping in mind that 80% of smartphones around the world are running Android. And I think more than that is a market share for computers running Windows. And the reality is a lot of fleets, a lot of facilities managers you know, they can't go with a proprietary solution like Tesla or ChargePoint. So they're going to turn to the most trusted hardware manufacturers in the industry like ABB and Siemens. And then you're going to need this intelligence layer on top of that. And that's what we build. We build the software layer that sits on the open charging hardware. Got it. And who's interested in that? You know, who is that target customer that you're targeting right now? And what's that pitch to them? There's a, a couple different customer segments that we have, but our key customer is folks who are building large networks of EV charging. Because the larger your network becomes, the less like you're just just pull tests and say, hey, come in and own and operate chargers at my site. Because when Tesla builds a supercharger, first of all, they pick your site, you don't pick them. Second of all, they own and operate all the infrastructure. So when you look at businesses like fleets where charging is just so core to their business, they can't wait around for you know a vendor like Tesla or EVgo to, to pick their sites they have to build out their own charging. Or on the flip side, when you look at the convenience store industry, you look at all of the different convenience store and gas station brands you have out there, many of them are not going to want to pass off their whole business to Tesla. You know, if you think about it, if I run a gas station, I make money on two things. I make it on selling gas and I make it on selling snacks and candy bars and cigarettes and water and Coke and alcohol. So concessions. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to hand over half of my business to somebody else just because we're making a fuel transition from petrol to electric. And so, you know, we will serve these brands that want a branded solution when they pull up with you pull up, you, they want it to be their brand, but they need a back end intelligence layer, managing their chargers, making sure they're online, processing payments, interfacing with EV drivers. And so we will build all of that software, everything from the interface that a driver has when they pull up to a charger and scan a QR code to the very kind of complex back-end software to make sure the chargers are interfacing with the grid properly and not exceeding the electrical limits of the site. Interesting. And are you seeing these, we'll say, legacy gas stations and convenience stores, are they open to adopting this type of technology? Or are they resisting and you know holding on to, to those gas profits? You know, I think it's back in 2016, Nobody in the legacy businesses was think were thinking about this. Now in 2022, I guarantee every gas station, at least that has more than, let's say, 20 sites, because some of the onesies and twosies, mom and pop shops might not be thinking about EV charging. But anyone who has more than 20 sites, 
guaranteed is looking at and thinking about the future of EV charging. And I think the smartest ones are, you know, they realize they're going to be a hybrid fueling stop, just like they used to just have gasoline and then they added diesel, mm-hmm. right? Or they used to just have standard and they added premium. These are already multi-fuel stations, right? Diesel and, and gasoline are fundamentally different products. So they're just adding another product, which is electricity. And they're, you know, I think the smart ones are thinking about it in the right way, which is okay. You know, there's periods where it was more popular. There's periods where petrol was more popular. We now see that electricity is rising as a fuel source. And that's mm-hmm. going to be a mega trend that's going to continue for the next 20 years. So how do we readjust our business accordingly while we, you know, don't neglect our existing customer base? Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And what, you know, I don't know if these numbers exist now, but what is the difference in terms of revenue and profit? You know, if someone stops and fills up their gas tank compared to if they stop and, you know, charge their car to 80%, are there numbers on that of, you know, what that difference is for the gas station and convenience store? Yeah. First of all, the electrical cost is going to be much more stable. So there's going to be less fluctuation. So for the consumer, it's more predictable what you're going to pay with electric fuel. The cost for the consumer is anywhere from a third to a half of what they would pay per mile with gas. When gas goes really, really high, it can be even be as low as a quarter. The profit margins for the convenience stores are similar, right? It's not a 80% gross margin business, but there's a premium to getting a fast charge. So consumers are very accustomed to paying more per kilowatt hour when on the go than what they would pay in their own homes. Got it. Makes sense. And what about to property managers? I think I listened to a podcast from maybe two or three years ago, and and you were targeting them at that point. Is that still a focus at all? Or is that shifted? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it still fits into the category of anyone who's building a a very large network of EV chargers that can't wait for a Tesla or an EV to go to come knocking on their door. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about property managers, I mean, this is the really interesting shift. We've talked a lot about gas stations, but the majority of charging in the future is going to be at home. And for the majority of Americans living in cities and a, a good portion of the country overall, home is an apartment building or a condo building. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's property managers that work with multiple kind of condos or it's a, an apartment owner that owns a large number of doors, mm-hmm. uh, these are going to be some of the biggest networks of charging that can't sit around and wait for kind of Tesla to say, hey, we want to put chargers here. And so they need to go out and procure chargers from the types of partners we work with, get an electrician to install them. And then our software brings a similar level of, of value there. Because if you're an apartment building, you know, you're in the business of managing your kind of PL, if you're giving away energy to residents to charge, you need to recoup that cost. So just like we help the gas station collect fees from EV drivers when they pull up, we do the same things in apartment buildings and condo buildings and office buildings where you're offering this amenity, but you want to recoup the costs. And again, there's profit in it for the property managers. But I think on the property manager side, it's really more like it's the hardwood floors or it's the pools, right? You know, 20 years ago, you know, no apartments or condos had hardwood floors. Not a lot of them had pools. As these amenities get added, you can't compete in a rental market or in a condo market if you're not adding the amenities, right? Nobody wants to spend $800,000 on a condo in a building that doesn't have a gym, right? And so it's going to be a very similar dynamic where, you know, there's going to be marginal businesses around the edge to make a little bit of money on EV charging. But the main reason they're going to do it is so they can sell that $800,000 condo or they can rent that $2,000 per month 
apartment. Because frankly, if you own and drive a Tesla or another electric vehicle, you're not going to rent in a building that doesn't allow you to charge. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And you've raised 20 million in funding so far. You know, what do you think the investors are so excited about? I think as an investor, there's a lot of kind of blogging and philosophy and debate. You know, do I invest in the product? Do I invest in the team? Or do I invest in the market? And I think, you know, the intuition is, oh, we invest in the product. And the smarter investors will say, no, we invest in the team because the right team will figure the product out. And then the brilliant investors say, uh, no, we invest in the right market because there's going to be ups and downs in your team. You're going to hire some of the right people, some of the wrong people. There's going to be kind of changes to the team over time. But if you are in the right market, that's where the real growth opportunities are. So I would say unequivocally that our investors, yes, they love our team. They love our product. They love how we've differentiated from the competitors in our first few years already. But really, I think what gets them really excited is this market, this fact that EV sales are growing you know, at 30 to 40% CAGR. There are more EVs sold in the past 18 months in America than in the previous 10 years. And that trend is continuing this kind of doubling, compounding effect. And so that's what's really exciting for investors in this space. Got it. And what's the split in terms of your focus on Canada and North America? Like percentage-wise, you know, how much of your customer base is in the US? So the majority of our customers are in the US. We are headquartered in Toronto, in Canada. It's a great tech market, right? It's not San Francisco, it's not New York. But as far as secondary tech markets go, I think Toronto's the best. We have phenomenal engineers. And it really gives us an advantage where a lot of our competitors in the US, because it is so costly to hire engineers in California, they end up offshoring to Eastern Europe or India we keep all of our software development in-house in North America. One of the reasons we're able to do that is because we're based in Toronto. But you know, we recognize that kind of from a population perspective, within the North American market or within Canada and the US, 90% is in the US and 10% is in Canada population-wise. We probably have a little bit of a, a home turf bias. So we probably spend 20% of our time in Canada, but 80% of our kind of sales and growth and business development is in, in the US. And we've got 48 employees now. A dozen of them are in the US. We've got a couple of people in San Francisco, but you know, someone in Denver, New Jersey, Texas, Washington, DC. So we have pretty good coverage, especially on the, the sales team that's interacting with folks day to day for being you know, in all the key markets we want to be in. Got it. And how would you summarize the state of venture capital in Canada right now? For my past work with clients, how I understood it a few years ago is it was very behind you know, places like Silicon Valley. And a lot of the tech investing was happening on the or in the public markets. I think it was the TSXV that they launched. And you know, a lot of tech companies were going public there. Is that still the case in Canada? Or has that ecosystem expanded? And is there a lot more capital there for tech companies like you? I think largely you have the right picture. The vast majority of our funding comes from the US. I wouldn't really advise Canadian companies to focus solely on, on pitching Canadian investors. I think the reality is the United States is a singular market and culture. It's not just about where the money is. It's about the culture and the culture of risk taking. And Canadians are less risky. And so if you want to raise venture capital, I really think you do America. I think that applies whether you're in Canada or El Salvador or Germany. I think if you want to raise venture capital, you should come to America because that's where the business is, or you should at least be pitching US investors. 
you know, I will say that there's kind of a globalization of Silicon Valley where there's more venture money being raised everywhere in Toronto, in Rio, in Tel Aviv, everywhere around the world. There's more money being put into tech because everybody looks at the success that Silicon Valley has had. And by the way, this also happens in the US, right? There's more kind of excitement about tech companies in New York than there's ever been before. And so I would say, compared to when I started out in 2016, there's definitely, it's definitely a little bit easier to get off the ground raising money in Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver. But I still think Silicon Valley is the heart of venture capital. And it's just like, you know, finance, if you want to be an investment banker, you're going to have a lot of advantages if you're at least meeting or talking to people in New York, you know, if not living there. Makes sense. And Zach, how much traction have you seen so far since you launched? Was 2019 the official launch date or what was that official date? So, I mean, we started in 2016 and it was a backend software for EV chargers. While it sounds obvious now, really was not an obvious idea. And so there was kind of a lot of iteration and early experimentation to figure out exactly what we wanted to build. Uh, we launched the first version of the platform in 2018 and then we raised our first venture capital in 2019. So yeah, since around 2018, 2019, you know, we've signed up over 150 customers. We've deployed thousands of chargers. We're right now in 26 states and Canadian provinces, a lot on the East Coast and West Coast, but we're also in Colorado, we're in Utah, we're in Texas. We've got this big kind of base of customers and a customer could be kind of one large fleet with one big depot, or it could be a building operator that owns multiple sites, or it could be one of these petrol operators that owns multiple sites. Where we're going is kind of more of an enterprise software focus. So as this market matures, you know, in the early days, nobody was in this business. So to get our software installed, we had to like go to people's sites and tell them which chargers to buy and sell them the chargers and help them get them installed. The great thing that's happened as this market has matured is there's a, now a healthy ecosystem of partners that we have that do the installs, that sell the hardware. And so we can really focus on the software. And as a result, we've started focusing on kind of enterprise licenses, you know, selling to VARs or other partners that are going to take our software to, to hundreds of buildings. But rather than us interfacing with every building, we interface with those partners. So these days, we're trying to sign fewer but drastically bigger customers. But, you know, I think we've seen tremendous growth even just this year. We've doubled the number of chargers connected by our platform in the past six months. And we expect to continue seeing that kind of growth. Amazing. And if we zoom out into the future, what do you think the future of EV charging is going to look like? And of course, you know, what role are you going to play in shaping that future? The biggest thing that we're working on is making it more frictionless for EV drivers and site owners and everybody in the ecosystem. Right now, it is such a pain to get a smart charger installed at your site or in your building. The configuration process, the hardware activation process, it's entirely a mess. And that's okay. It's an early market. But we're going to work on starting with the installers, better processes to configure and deploy EV chargers, moving to the site hosts, easier ways to manage and kind of deploy and understand your EV chargers. And then finally coming to drivers, you should just be able to kind of pull up, plug in, and very easily start a charging session. Today, there's like 20 different companies that all have a proprietary app that you have to download. And you have to load a wallet balance on your apps. You, you download the app and you put $20 there. And then you try to make it work. And then it doesn't work. And they say, well, we'll just send you an RFID card in the mail. Why don't you wait for two weeks? And it's ridiculous. So already right off the bat, 
you know, when you pull up to any of our chargers, you can scan a QR code. You don't need to download an app. You can transact with it immediately, put in your credit card information. But we only want to make it easier and more frictionless as we go. You know, there's really interesting protocols that are being developed between the charger manufacturers and the vehicle OEMs to kind of create a seamless experience like Tesla offers. When you plug in your Tesla, the charger just authenticates you and starts charging. We're still a few years out from that being really widespread for the rest of the market. But I think we'll get there. I think chargers will become more abundant. It'll become easier to charge. And frankly, the folks who cannot deliver great experiences for site hosts or EV drivers will not make it because it's just going to get more competitive as companies like ours and others scale up. Amazing. Well, Zach, I think that's all we're going to have time for today. If people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zach EV, Z-A-K underscore EV. You can visit our website, chargelab.co. That's chargelab.co. And yeah, you know, would love to hear from folks who are driving EVs, from folks who recently got a ChargeLab charger installed uh, near them, what experience you're having, or if you're thinking of building a network of EV chargers, that's who we're targeting and who we're working with now. Got it. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Zach. Really appreciate it. And best of luck. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. 